Hello and welcome, it's me, your DM, Russ Moore, and just before we get to the episode today, we had Greg Leatherman join us, who is the creator of Glitter Hearts, a new RPG which just finished its Kickstarter not too long ago, and during the episode we say that it's not available yet, but in fact... Since we recorded it, Greg has got it up on a backer kit pre-order. So just listen to the episode and check down in the description after you're done. If Glitter Hearts has hooked you, go give it a pre-order. It's not expensive, and I'm super excited to see it when it comes out. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to DM to GM. I'm your dungeon master, Russ Moore from Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm your GM, Sean Howard from The End of Time and Other Bothers. And today with us, a very special guest, Greg Leatherman. Hello, I am a GM and a DM and a keeper. We, we run a lot of different games on very random encounters, and everybody calls calls it something different because they're all special. Like ones like Master of Ceremonies. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I'm the MC. Uh, but yeah, I am part of Very Random Counters, uh, an actual play podcast, and I'm also part of the Pokemon podcast, which isn't a game podcast, but it's about Pokemon, so. And the creator of Glitter Hearts. Yes, and I made a game. <laughs> I wrote a game uh, called Magical Transforming Heroes Game called Glitter Hearts. So based on that, Russ, I'm claiming Greg. We're taking him on the GM side. Be- because he created a game and it's... He created a game that's apocalypse driven. So I'm. I also wrote Pokemon in a D and D world and ran that oh. as Mythical. So mm-hmm. I was a DM for Pokemon for Mythical, which you can still find out there. So I'm going to be both. He's a line and hopper here. He there's just, a he... lot of me to share. <laughs> All right, I'll take half of Greg. Yeah, there's there a lot goes. of Greg to go around. That's why we brought you on here, Greg, because you can see both sides, and you, you you know you you got it all. That's what we're saying. Yep. Uh, let's maybe start with a little bit about you and your podcast. We'll start with Very Random Encounters because it, your mechanic uh, is very random. And yes. a lot of DMs and GMs uh, are, are scared of, of random. Yeah. So uh, why why that mechanic and how do you guys utilize it for people that don't know you? Uh, so we started with the idea where we were trying to come up with, we wanted to do an RPG podcast, but as you may know, it's a quite saturated field. Uh and I offhandedly said, oh, we could do that dumb thing we did in the 80s where we randomized our characters and just see what happens. And then the response back was like, ooh, what if we <laughs> randomized everything? Like, everything. Uh, and then we all said, oh, that's a good idea. It will totally bomb. But that's a really good idea. It should be fun for one session. And it's now been two years. Uh, but we randomize everything. So the GM has to randomize the villain, the plot, the places, and then the first episode of every season is us randomly generating our character. So our name, if there's race options, yeah. classes, all of it is random. And then we play and see what a story comes out. Now, do you That's... randomly generate your random tables? Yes. We... Wow, I'm impressed. So I'm depends. impressed. Put color me impressed. Yeah. So like the GM, whoever's running or the DM, depending on the system, has to like create the tables and find online generators to randomize things. Uh, plot lines, like 
there's a world of writer prompts that, that exist that we are, we are now very keyed into. Like, hmm, I need to write a noir film. Oh, I'll go to this generator and randomly generate a plot. Nice. That's very cool. It's a lot of fun. It's, uh, I mean, I will say, like, we did not think it would work. Uh, and it's surprisingly, humans are surprisingly good at making random things work. <laughs> Well, yeah, because you fill in you fill in the blanks and you make it work, right? And yeah, it, it gives you sometimes I think to randomize something gives you a a a plot point or something that you wouldn't have otherwise thought about if you're trying to script it from start to finish or not script right. it but come up with it. And like the flaw of all writers, and I think the way we look at the world is we are so good at seeing stories and things that we we when we talk about history pretend like random chance didn't have a role in that. Like if no history didn't have an avalanche killing an entire Royal family and a bunch of third cousins had to take over like that stuff (laughs) happens. But when you script it out, you, you know, people script out, well, this has been a never ending line of perfect succession for thousands of years. And that doesn't happen. Diseases happen. Random things happen. So by taking the risk and saying, I'm just going to, throw random chance and see what comes out, things become more real because Mm -hmm. that does happen in our lives. And you do like, you are forced to cope with this outside event that just happened and you now have to react to it. So we try to stress to GMs, like you don't have to randomize as much as we do, Mm -hmm. but for certain things, just see what happens. Like if you know that two nations are at war, don't decide roll and see who wins and then deal with the fallout and then deal with the consequences nice it's funny because when we think about like creating a show that's put on the air we're so wired for story right as as entities in in comedy improv we have this um game we play where we put improvisers on stage and they're sitting in chairs they're not allowed to make any emotion on their face they can only i think raise and lower their arms cross and uncross their legs and turn their heads and They'll do a scene for like five minutes. It's ludicrous. It's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, people in the audience will be saying to them, oh my God, that moment where right. you all threw each other over the cliff and we're like, what? Yep. <laughs> right? It's just that we're so yeah. wired to find story, to find drama, to find things. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, interesting. It's great. It's great. We we are big proponents of random elements, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> well, we're going to be looking for some random answers today. Okay. That's right. right. So, so we're going to be turning ready? to you yep. for that. So. Yeah. I got, a, I got 14 lists and a 20-sided die. <laughs> that, raring to go. That's how these next two episodes are going to go. I like it. <laughs> So what we do here on dm to gm is we answer your questions to help you feel more comfortable around the gaming table or maybe add a little randomness to it. We'll see how it goes here. Um, and Sean, if you want to run down those questions for us, we'll jump right into them. Thanks, Russ. I've got quite the question here from Nathan O'Grady. Hope I said that name right. Uh, Nathan is running a game in Genesis that started in <gasps> FFG's. <laughs> I love round. that game system. <laughs> there we go. We got the right person here for you, Nathan. Um, since Nathan couldn't decide which setting and story he wanted to do, he took the advice of someone else and just did them all. As I read this, I'm like, this is so perfect for Greg. Yeah, this is good. (laughs) This is my jam. (laughs) After the first few sessions, Nathan threw a, a twist at the party and revealed that it was really a multiverse hopping game. 
So to quote here, they've been to a modern world where they tried to carjack an old lady. They've been to a weird war war world where they blew up Castle Wolfenstein. They've been to a... It goes on and on and on. And he says the party is loving this game. His problem is that he doesn't know how to end it. He's done this. Nathan has done this before and sort of felt like the ending just sort of didn't deliver, didn't give much resolution. So his main question is not how to start, but how to end, how to create an end that is satisfying and isn't a bunch of tropes. Well, it's always going to be a bunch of tropes. (laughs) Like there's no, there's no way to avoid tropes, but there is a way to use tropes. Interestingly. Um, so tropes aren't bad. Like, I mean, they're tropes for a reason, right? Like everybody likes them. Everybody gets into them. Everybody understands them. What people hate about tropes is when tropes are used lazily. Um, or they're, you know, they're the bad tropes. Like, you know, all of us gay people get mad when you kill gay people because that's a trope. Like we never get to survive. So depending on what the trope is, I hate that you should avoid it. Um, when I look at like this question, my first my first thought is, why are they jumping across the multiverse? And that, if you haven't answered that question, that question has to be answered so you know how it ends. If you don't know why they're doing it, then there's no there's no way to end it that's not going to feel bad. Uh, Nathan, uh, a little part that we skipped over here. Sorry, we, we were jumping around a little bit just because Nathan's original email was uh, quite a, a lengthy one. So we're trying to mm, paraphrase for brevity. Um, yeah. The hook that he's got to, at th- has, that he's at at this point, is that he's thrown the twist that the PCs are working for the main villain, have been working for the main villain the whole time. Okay. Um, so he's been sending him out on all these missions. He doesn't go into the why, but I think that ties into what you were about to say there is now giving that bad guy the motivation to why did he hire these, this group of adventurers or this group of people to go out and, um, to go out and fight Jim Henson or to stop these cave people to, or to carjack this old lady. What is that guy doing and why is he doing it? Cause he thinks he's doing the right thing. Well, that, I mean, so it can go two ways. Like, you can get into arguments over which villain is more interesting. The villain that thinks they're doing it for the right reasons, or the villain that doesn't care and is doing it for the wrong reasons because they're a terrible person. The more chaotic like, villain, yeah. It's You know, I don't necessarily find one more interesting than the other. Like, it is fun to run into just pure evil and be like and now we're going to beat you up because you're super bad um there's also a lot of emotional payout of oh i understand why you're doing this and i think that depends on the tone of the game you're going for so if you are going for a much more emotional resident ending then they should have a reason for doing it if you're going for uh no i just want a big i just want everybody to fight at the end, then they are a horrible, horrible person and deserve to get what they get. Um, but the the bigger question is that, yeah, you're, they're working for the villain, but why? Why did the villain choose them? 
Did the villain choose them because if they stayed where they were, they would have ruined plans, and it was better to send them off on a whole bunch of random side quests so that they are always busy and can't actually take care of the real problem? Are they going through and fixing multiverse things? Like, this lady would have gone, would have been a prime example of a piece of legislation that would have made my plans harder, so... You know, your trauma made her not show up to this court event, and then, therefore, I got this advantage. Like, the bigger question is, why is this person doing it, and what does that say about their jobs? And then from there, I think the ending comes into view a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've said it so succinctly that I have nothing <laughs> else to say. I love it. I, I It's funny, because I was thinking when you say I love it. Um. I actually agree. Sometimes just be the bad person yeah. in this situation. I think it's going to get okay. Let me back up even further. Sometimes, as a as a GM or DM, um, we we're just going on the fly. It happens all the time. We're just like make this decision, make this decision, and then later, <laughs> I'm often sitting up here going, oh, "What have I done? How do these pieces <laughs> connect?" Right? Trying, and often we can find a connection if we sit and do that. But I was like, idea popped into my head as you were talking, Greg is. You know, make the guy bad. Make it be all these horrible reasons why you did all these things. And then you could have fun sending them back through every world. Right. To try and see what's happened, what could be fixed, what can't. How can they um, undo, yeah. You can do the Back to the Future thing where you're trying to stop yourself from doing that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you, but you can't see each other. Like, right. Like, we just saw a huge movie that I have massive problems with, but that is exactly what Avengers Endgame did. Like, right. Yep. You know, there's a lot there, but the kernel that has to happen is why? Why is this person doing it? And in answering the question why, that that question has to include all of your players. Right. It has to have a kernel that all of them are important to that reason why. It will feel bad if it was oh, you were just there and I picked you for reasons. Now, yeah. the villain can say that because that makes people angry, but that ne doesn't necessarily mean it should be the truth. No, they can definitely go and find the reason, whether it's through the villain or through something else, to tie them to those moments that made right. them significant in the story. Right. Right. For example, I would have someone else come in that's been trying to reach the party the whole time that would actually explain to them maybe the, you know, could explain to them the why, could turn them and realize what's gone wrong. So this person could literally say the heroes themselves were the ones who were supposed to make these worlds better, for example. Yeah, like they were chosen to turn things in the right direction and they've been twisted. I don't know. It's, they could do all or, kinds you of know, things. they could run into the granddaughter of the old lady that they carjacked and like yes. that person has been unmoored from their timeline for whatever because of their actions and you know like an, a way to get them to turn is the way to get almost every player to turn is that once they see the consequences of their yeah, actions most players not all yeah really not all <laughs> but most players will want to try to fix it um so, so our our tables accepted, Russ. Yeah. Most players. My, most my, players. My players would want to try. They don't know how they wouldn't know where to start to try and fix right. it. And they'd be like, eh, we'll get to it next time. 
Um, but yeah, it's it kind of comes back to that reveal, which you didn't say how, uh, sorry, Nathan, you didn't say how necessarily you revealed to them that uh, they found out that they were working for the big bad, but it, it could be that moment or a moment coming up that you have in your story uh, where they, where it's unveiled part of the reason why the big bad, what the big bad's motivations are in that moment. Um, and then now do your players have to go and undo or do they have to just go take the big bad on for reason A, B or C uh, and then kind of go from there? Yeah. And I, a, a way to give it a satisfying end, like we can maybe all give some ideas. How would we if we knew we wanted to build towards confrontation with this guy, but mm-hmm. this is the person they've been working for? What are ways that we would start to like, what are ways that you could slowly build and apply this idea? So the first thing that comes to my mind to start it is taunting, like have this person realize they're starting to turn and have him start to taunt the players. So trying to shift it to where, you know what I mean? They're like, why is, why is he doing this? Right? Like trying to get under their skin, it's like setting up that, that conflict that they're going to want to resolve. Yeah, I like the uh, I like that. I like the idea too of now that you've found out that the the big bad exists and the big bad is doing this and using you, um, whatever that turning point is, maybe have, maybe ha- take all your players back to those worlds or to yeah, I love that or to find different worlds that you were supposed to be going to. Maybe there was this big long twelve list of all these worlds you had to go. Well, and they find, find the, the list. Maybe they, they find, find the, the list. list that says all the things that have to be stopped. I find but all they, the MacGuffins yeah. in theory, yeah. all the pieces that he needed to put together this puzzle that he's trying to craft to bring the end of the world or whatever he's trying to do or she's trying to do. Oh no, it's even better. It's just like the perfect birthday for him. Something so banal that it's so <laughs> evil. <laughs> He would do. He would ruin this many people's lives. Had to destroy worlds across time yeah. streams just to have this great birthday party. Maybe maybe that was. Maybe it is something so silly like that. But yeah, find the list, find whatever it was, and then send them to stop. Because as soon as you find out, maybe the big bad knows you find out. Maybe the big bad doesn't know. If they do know, they're going to send somebody else to go do those. Now you have to go stop this new team from doing all of these chores along the way. And there's some of the resolution in there in that you can stop some of them. Maybe you can't stop all of them, but in the end it thwarts the, the big bads problem. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of the players gain control of the technology that's being used to send them through. Like they always thought they had control, but they finally discovered they do have control. And then there could be a series of realizations that they're not the only team out there that's been doing this. Mm-hmm. And so they end up on the run and have to jump to various things to sort of build up a coalition to take on the villain. So you can start have like, you know, ending sessions like, okay, you now have this tech. Where would you go next? What are you looking for? And let them like, let them drive yeah. what they feel as a resolution. So if they take over the reins a little bit, like, okay, you now have access to this and you can go anywhere. Where are you going and what are you trying to do? Because your players are going to come up with ideas that is going to key into what they think is a good resolution. Um, so for me, I'd be like, okay, so now you have control of world hopping. You can go anywhere you know this is a person who is a very bad person. Where are you going? What's your plan? Are you just going to go hide for a while? Like, what is your idea? 
and let them sort of fill in the gaps. I love this so much, but there's no way I could give that to my table. My God, they just go to Las Vegas. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, there's always, it. it's there's always consequences. Like if they say, peace out, we're just not going to deal with it. They can. And the resolution at that point is, well, you lost. Like you yeah. pieced out and you the know, Vegas is taken over by the multidimensional you know, dinosaurs with laser arms because you right. didn't do anything. Which and, is what I would do, right? You'd arrive yeah. in Vegas and it's changed. It's all it's, people in dark suits and it's nefarious. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah, destroyed like, at that it. point. Yeah. Like, and you can, like, it's hard to say what a player is going to find a good ending. Like, every GM knows what they want their good ending to be, but that has nothing to do with what the players nope. want. For those listening, everybody is just shaking their heads. We're all shaking our a heads. A lot. Yeah. And I, yeah. So I love what, Greg, you're saying. I, I really love the idea of pay attention to the table. I love your idea of giving them a tool to see what they're interested in. Yeah. Because that's that does lead. It, it, it lets us follow. Sometimes yeah. there's this myth that we're leading. Right. Right versus yeah. following what the table wants to do right. and saying, "Oh, I could deliver on more of that." I mean, it's that old meme of like we always say, like my carefully crafted NPC, and then <laughs> yeah. Bobo the clown that they're all interested in. <laughs> At well, the bar, you should yeah. have never have carefully crafted that NPC. No, right? because that was interesting to you, yeah, not to your players. So, you know, my my advice that's taken me a long time to get there is, who have. All NPs are shells of three words until somebody gives them life. Yeah. It they don't matter until a player actually breathes life into them. I am interested in this tavern keeper and suddenly that tavern keeper has to be somebody. And that tavern keeper is suddenly the NPC that I spent hours crafting. Yeah, you in yeah. that moment you give them a little bit of backstory, and then you go later, and this right. person then comes up in every session. Is the touch point? Is the message board? Is the whatever you need, and becomes that carefully crafted Bobo the Goblin or clown, and yeah. uh, <laughs> which create much. I don't want to say create the best characters, but oftentimes create more engaging characters. Right. For your table and for you to play, because then you see excitement in your players, which helps you drive along the story for them. I love this. So I think sort of to try and wrap it up a little for Nathan, I hope this makes sense, Nathan. Um, And anyone else out there, this is a very common thing, right? To feel like Nathan wrote, I'm not a writer. Most of us aren't really writers. you shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah. And even if we were writers, we're not writers in this context. We're running a game. So... I love the idea of of give some agency to the players and follow what they're going to do. Um, but don't be afraid to to start to also send signals, like make your bad guy more nefarious. Like play it up. Like yeah. But see what's working with the table, and and you don't have to connect all the dots. You only have to build towards something that's going to be fun for the table to 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 reach at the end. And and the more crystal you have what your villains' plans are, the easier it is to respond to what your players want to do. 100%. So the more like the villains' reasons, motivations, and actions are completely separate and always have been from your players. They are as much a character responding to the player's actions as the players are responding to that person's actions. So as long as you have 
what they want to accomplish crystal. The rest is playing the game. And and it's okay to not know what that crystal is yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Right. I've been in situations where I've oh, realized yeah. this is suddenly the bad guy that I didn't expect to be the bad guy. And then over sessions, right, it gets clearer and clearer. Sometimes it can be a funny thing that this that drives the players nuts. You you latch onto that. But you can you can find it and just once you have found it, yeah, don't deviate from it. Right. Like that's their motivation. Yep. Great. I think we answered that. Thank you, Greg, for being here. We're Nathan, if this helped you, fantastic. If it didn't help you, let us know Sorry. and we'll maybe yeah. try and do better next time. Uh, send us an email, dm to gmcast at gmail.com or join us on our Discord, which is linked down in the description there. And make sure you go check Greg out on Very Random Encounters, the Pokemon podcast, and uh, check out Drive Through RPG when Glitter Hearts comes out. We'll make sure to let yeah. you know when that happens too. Oh, and Greg, where can they follow you on social? Uh, the best and easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Whitewing. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, but if I don't know you, I'm not accepting your friend request. Good so call. just be aware. But <laughs> all right, so uh, everyone, Twitter reach out on Twitter. Yeah. Go on Twitter, White Wing. Yeah. Thank you for listening to DM to GM. If you have questions about getting your game started, send them to us, Russ and Sean. Our email is dm to gmcast at gmail.com. You can also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at DM to GMcast. You'll find all the links down in the description. In the meantime, get your game started. We'll talk to you soon. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's the last days of summer, 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. Come on, Chelsea. Mima says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on this side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken coops clean? Please, Father. I'll be good. I'll be- <laughs> ah! Oh, God! Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no, I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy. Exploring their feelings. Let's go over to the apple tree. Gosh, (laughs) okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old Barnaker house. Howling house? Why? (laughs) Now, a Boy Scout, a Tagalong, a Doormat, and a Delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise? Or will they succumb to the hunger of Howling House? You're going to die What is that thing? Is this this the witch's library? I'm going to kill you! Not tonight! Roger, make him stop! No! You watch! Run away, little ones. I'm so hungry. Listen to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's award-winning season, Night at Howling House. The complete story, available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and at CthulhuMystery.com. All the, all the outs and free, all the outs and free. <laughs>